0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1659. Today, we're talking McLaren, McLaren engines. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Hey, I'm revved up and very excited to be talking with a guest who's calling in from Highland, Michigan today by the name of Roger Miners. Hey, Roger, welcome to Cars Yeah! Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride, my friend?
1: I have my seatbelt on, yes.
0: Yeah, all right. We're going to have some fun here. Now, before I do a proper introduction, I would love for you to share one little thing, something kind of interesting that maybe most people don't know about you.
1: Well... Everybody knows I'm a car guy, but I don't think many people know that I've raced cars for many years. Doesn't just doesn't come up. Now
0: you were a vintage racer, right? I was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I am. You, <laughs> yes. In fact, when I do a proper introduction, I'm going to mention some of these insane cars you've driven. I raced vintage cars for 12 years, but I didn't drive anything like you drove. Oh my gosh, you got some hot seats there, buddy. I'm a little bit jealous. But I loved your last comment there, and I want you to elaborate before I give you a proper introduction. You're not retired, are you? I am officially but not but not yeah that's what I'm alluding to here so maybe we can dive into that in a second here but allow me to give you a proper introduction because we're going to be talking about some very cool stuff today Roger Miners has been an automotive writer since the late 1990s he served in an editorial role at Mopar magazine for 10 years while writing stories and snapping photographs for the auto enthusiast press. He's been an automotive industry businessman and an attorney for over 40 years, working at Motorola's automotive products division back in 1973 and as a practicing lawyer in Detroit. One of his clients, McLaren Engines, yeah, that little company, became his employer in 1986, and his most recent book titled McLaren, the engine company, is an insider's look at that iconic mark. Roger is also a racer, as we mentioned. He uh, ran the Skip Garber Formula Ford series, and he has raced vintage cars. Now, hold on to your seats. He's raced in a Ferrari 250 SWB, a Lotus 23B, a Brabham BT26A F1 car, a Porsche 550 Spyder, and many other very, very cool rides. Like I said, I'm a bit jealous. Lately, he's been driving at track days and refuses to say he is retired for real, as we mentioned. We're going to come back and talk with Roger once we hear from our valued sponsors that make this show possible. So keep your seatbelt on. We're talking McLaren engines today. We're going to have some fun, and we will be right back. Do you have a pet in your household that loves to go for a ride? Our pets are part of our families, but they can be very hard on your vehicle's interior. Well, Covercraft has you covered. They offer a wide variety of solutions to protect your vehicle's interiors from Fido's rough treatment. Canine cargo area covers are padded for comfort and provide door-to-door protection. Pet pads have built-in features to keep cargo areas and seats protected. Covercraft solutions cover cargo areas, bucket or bench seats, and protect from damaging claws, pet fur, hair, mud, moisture, and that occasional drool from permanently damaging your vehicle's delicate surfaces. Choose from a variety of styles and colors that cover almost every vehicle made. Is your dog getting a little old? Covercraft even has a pet ramp, so your trusted companion can get himself into and out of your vehicle. Here's something special to you from me at Cars Yeah. If you go to Covercraft.com and use the code YAH120, 120, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. Go to Covercraft.com today and use the code YAH120, and you'll get this special 10% off. Tell Fido it's from me. That's Covercraft.com. Use YAH120 at checkout. Covercraft, they've got you covered. Woof! American Collectors Insurance, that's how I now protect my Porsche Turbo. The one I call my orange crush. Are you insuring your classic vehicles on your regular daily driver auto policy? then your special vehicles are at risk. Your regular auto insurance carrier won't tell you how much you'll get until after a claim, and more than likely, you'll be in for a rude awakening. With agreed value policy from American Collectors Insurance, you'll be paid your vehicle's full agreed value. No surprises. If you're driving your collector car less than 5,000 miles a year, Do what I did, call American Collector's Insurance and get your very own agreed value policy tailored to your specific vehicle. If you're like me, you're picky about who works on your special ride. A great policy allows you to choose your repair shop of choice, and that means you'll know the job is done right. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collector's Insurance. They've been protecting vehicles since 1976. Give them a call for a quote today at 866-ACI, yeah, that's 866-224-9324, and protect the ones you love. I did at American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. All right, Roger, we're back, and I would love for you to share a success quote or a mantra with us. This is some kind of saying that maybe has been instrumental in forming your life and career in the automotive racing world. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Roger, I know you love to drive, buddy. Grab the wheel.
1: Okay. Uh, well, uh, a inspirational quote slash success m- mantra. Someone long ago told uh, me you hear people saying work hard or work smart. But this person who was a CEO of a big company said the key is to work long. Mm.
0: Now, what did he mean by that?
1: He meant put in the hours. Ah. He says you're not a nine to five worker that comes in and works smart, you know, so you can get things done faster. But he always took the time and worked. He worked at home. He worked on weekends. He worked whatever it took. And that was, that was a, a, a good one because maybe I'm not so smart, but if I put in the hours, work more than others, I'll do okay.
0: You know, my father taught me that, and I think it came from his farm mentality. He grew up on a farm in Texas. Farmers work all the time. My my grandpa told me once when I said, Grandpa, how come you don't come out to California and visit us more often? And he said, Mark, the cows don't take vacations. And I always remembered that. And my father always said, you know, you may not be the smartest guy in the room in some situations, but if you can outwork the other folks, you'll have a leg up on them, not only in your boss's eyes, but in your customer's eyes as well. And and sadly, I see that whole thing has kind of changed a bit, it seems like. And I, I don't want to pick on younger people. I don't believe in that. There's a lot of hardworking younger people. My children are a couple of them. But there's, it seems to be a mind shift that's happened over the decades of You know, maybe you shouldn't work so hard. You need to this this life-work balance. Oh, yeah. Which I think is true. You can burn out. You can, you know, just overload. You can destroy your family if you're never paying attention to them, which is not good, and your personal life if you're not paying attention to your health and so forth. But did you find in your career over all these years, Roger, a way to do that balance but still work long?
1: I did. I would go into work, and uh, I never thought about leaving at 5 o'clock. I would sometimes stay till seven. But when I got home, I didn't really bring the work home with me. Mm. Yeah. And that, I think, helps.
0: Yes. And, And I think it's healthy, too, because as my wife always reminds me when I'm trying to get something done, she'll say, take a break, go for a walk, exercise, meditate, whatever you like to do, because your brain is still working on the challenge just in the background. Is churning away, churning away. It's like when you wake up in the middle of the night with "Eureka!" <laughs> I've figured it out, and then you try to find that pad of paper in the dark so you can write down your <laughs> your success. And then you wake up in the morning, you can't read what you wrote. Did you find in your career that that worked that way for you too? That when you did separate work and focused on family or yourself, that there was still something going on back there?
1: Yes, I do. I, uh, you know, you've heard the saying uh, "sleep on it." Yes, and that's. I think that's what it what it means, and that goes to sort of another question um, that would ask, did you have a plan? And I didn't necessarily have a plan. I just had a goal in mind, mm-hmm. and I never forgot it. And when I would do that, and this relates to cars, Boy I'd love to have that car, and it'd go years thinking about that and always ready to jump if something comes up
0: well that's the big difference between dreams and goals uh they're very different you can have a dream but without a plan it's just a dream but a goal definitely usually has a plan attached to it of how you're going to achieve that dream and achieve that goal for sure well i want to talk about this book of yours mclaren the engine company I found it fascinating, and I want you to talk a little bit more about why you wrote the book. What is it about? What can my listeners learn or expect to uh, garner from reading this book about your insights and the inside look into the McLaren engine company? So take it away.
1: When I, um, I, I had heard of McLaren engines, being a racing enthusiast, it was almost in passing. It was not... In the forefront. It was all the McLaren team and all the races they were winning. But when I moved to Detroit, I didn't even realize that McLaren Engines was in Detroit, actually Livonia, a suburb. Mm -hmm. And I uh, was introduced to the company's owner at Bent, and I said, McLaren Engines? Oh, it's here in Detroit? I was a lawyer at that time, and I would like to represent McLaren engines just as a local attorney. Of course, I took it, and one thing led to another, and working there. So uh, time passed, and we were getting close to our 40th anniversary, and I suggested that we should write a book about McLaren engines, and that was tabled. They had too many things to do to put this 40th anniversary together, and then the 50th anniversary came, and I repeated the uh, suggestion. Then president of McLaren Engines was a guy named Wiley McCoy. He was in his 70s by then, and this was about three or four years before the 50th anniversary. And I said, "Hey, you know, it's going to be the 50th, and something." And he said, "I don't even buy green bananas." Don't, don't bother me, planning <laughs> something in the future. but it it actually happened, and uh, with their support, I started writing the book.
0: Wow, I don't even buy green bananas. That is a <laughs> quote interesting, very interesting, coming from somebody who's running an engine company. You'd think you would have to have to plan out in advance, well, as you were writing this book and putting all your thoughts together. I always like to talk a bit about, you know, challenges and things. What were a couple of the challenges you ran up against in writing this book titled McLaren, The Engine Company?
1: Well, the most pressing one was people were uh, getting old and they were leaving us. Oh, yeah, passing away. And so uh, already, Teddy Mayer had died. Bill Smith, the other partner in this, uh, besides Bruce McLaren in founding the company, Bill Smith, and he was in his 80s. First engine builder, George Boltoff, was ill, and Tyler Alexander, another participant, famous crew chief at McLaren, had had a stroke. He was still okay, but his memory wasn't so good. So that was it was urgent to get started, talk to these people, and get interviews done. So that, that was the first challenge. The next challenge was when... By the time I had a manuscript, things were changing within the company, and they weren't so sure they had the budget to actually print the book themselves. It was quite expensive to design a book and print it. So um, I had given them the manuscript, so I volunteered to get that part of it done. And uh, then a new challenge started. Now I had to learn how to book publish being an engineering company, we had a relationship with the Society of Automotive Engineers, and they were all excited about doing it. So that was great. That solved the problem.
0: Now, the the book itself dives into a lot of previously untold stories at McLaren Engine. And that business was founded back in the late 60s, I believe, 68, 69 by Bruce. Right. Yeah. And so, and I think this is very interesting too. You mentioned that it was originally based in the suburbs of Detroit, which I didn't know that either, uh, which is pretty cool. But when you think about the word, the brand, the iconic brand, Mark McLaren, there's such a long history to this company. Does the book cover that entire
1: history? I want to make clear that McLaren, the car company, called Bruce McLaren Motor Racing at the time was based in England. Right. They came to the United States. They were having engines built by Traco in uh, Los Angeles and Al Barts later. While those were great engine builders, Bruce wanted to have control. And so he hired an engine builder out of Traco and hired him to come to England and set up an engine shop, which he did. Mm-hmm. This guy was a master engine builder. Never had an engine failure in the whole 1969 season, and they won all the races. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, they finished first and second a bunch of times, and even first, second, and third when Dan Gurney joined the team, uh, Michigan, for a one-off. And uh, building them in England wasn't such a good idea, so Boltov uh, suggested to Bruce that they... uh, Open a shop in uh, America, and Detroit was a logical place because Chevrolet's right there, and they were the uh, source of the parts to build, and also the uh, engineering expertise.
0: Well, you think about it, my understanding, McLaren engines, uh, they developed the turbocharged Cosworth, the, the infamous DFV Formula One engine, and those things yeah. powered Indy cars, T-McLaren, Penske Racing. I mean, they worked with BMW turbo engines in the US. I mean, this history is all over the place, and those engines were in so many different race-winning cars. It's incredible.
1: Yes. The first engine they actually had to work on was the Offy, the turbo Offy. Because the first race in 1970 was the 500. After the race, remember, tragedy struck when Bruce was killed testing a Can Am car in England. So we were also, I say we, I wasn't there, but building the big block Chevy engines.
0: Right. I mean, you think about their engines. I mean, they were powering Buick Indy, Emsa cars, BMW GTP cars, Cadillac Le Mans prototypes. I mean, even Porsche Trans Am 944s and and a car like the F5000 single seaters, the monsters. Scary, scary big block vehicles. I mean, and my understanding is they also built V8s for offshore racing boats as well. Is that right?
1: We had a project with Mercury Marine and uh, Chevrolet. To uh, develop turbocharged big blocks, because the formula said you could only have 700 and some cubic inches. Okay. We de-stroked, if you can believe it, a big block to 358 cubic inches. Wow. Charge it 1,200 horsepower each. <laughs> wow. That was a, an interesting uh, saga, yeah. say the least.
0: Uh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, and, and of course, the, the wonderful Can-Am series, I mean, the monster cars that were just scary, scary fast, amazing, amazing race cars. Were there any things in the writing of this book, Roger, as you unfolded this uh, the pages here and, and developed this book that was a big surprise to you or put even a big smile on your face that you didn't know?
1: I had been around it so long, starting as a kid, there was really no giant... Uh, surprise! Other than realizing all the all that went went on, I thought it was just Can-Am. Here they're doing all these other things, and uh, by the time I got there, started working on the the Buick GNX, which is a very famous car. I don't anybody knows that McLaren engines did this. We did it for ASC, and everybody knows ASC McLaren. Many people realized that there was this separate engine company.
0: Providing power plants to all sorts of different race groups. Have you ever raced a vintage car that had a McLaren engine in it? Never. Oh, that's not fair. Well, wait a minute.
1: Wait a minute. Okay. My last race was a Lemons race in a BMW that was built by, owned by Wiley McCoy and a couple of partners. And the engine was built... Not officially at McLaren Engines, but (laughs) built by McLaren Engines people.
0: Well, there you go. (laughs) But you had to finally do it in a lemons car. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. That's just, that's wild. Oh, my gosh. Who would have thought, right?
1: I think I'm going to have to add that to the book if we ever do a revision.
0: I think so. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Well, this is pretty cool. Uh, Again, the title of the book is McLaren, the engine company. We're going to come back and talk a little bit more about your personal passion for cars and racing vintage cars in a moment. But let's uh, take a break for our sponsors here. They make this show possible. So keep your seatbelts on. We'll be right back. Let's step away from the conversation and talk about our charity of choice here at Cars. Yeah. America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like minded nonprofits that are working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through auto related events, car shows, and drives. Among these nonprofits is Tech Force Foundation, a great organization dedicated to solving the technician shortage that threatens the transportation industry today. By providing career development resources and increasing awareness and enthusiasm for the tech profession, Tech Force is bringing bright young students into the auto diesel aviation marine motorcycle motorsports and restoration worlds to date they've awarded more than 10 million dollars in scholarships and grants to tech students and in times like these i don't have to tell you how essential those techs are keeping our delivery and emergency vehicles running and keeping america rolling to learn more about tech force or to make a donation to this cause visit www.techforce.org you'll be glad you did So, what do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 podiums, multiple Daytona wins, and a win at Le Mans? Well, if you're Racer and the Racers Group team owner Kevin Buckler, you start Adobe Road Winery. It's located in Petaluma, California, and he and his team have created a winning combination with The Racing Series, four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, wrapped in a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends titled Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today, I'm going to talk about Shift. This wine was awarded 93 points by Robert Parker's Wine Advocate. It's balanced and spicy with dark blueberries and a cigar aroma. The unique bottle shape features a vintage-inspired metal gated shift back with carbon fiber, and the cork is topped with a five-speed shift knob. That's right. There's going to be some battles at the dinner table on who gets to keep the cork after this bottle has been enjoyed. The Racing Series is a delicious gift for the automotive enthusiast in your life, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word in caps, at checkout, you get $10 off any purchase of the wines from the Racing Series. Your wine ships promptly and arrives quickly right at your door. Use the code CARSYEAH at checkout and get $10 off your purchase from the Racing Series today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the Racing Series. Go to adoberoadwines.com and use the code CARSYEAH today. (laughs) Cheers! All right, we are back, Roger, and I want to uh, talk a little bit about this passion you've had your whole life for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you realized that you were indeed going to be a car guy, be a racer?
1: Probably. I can't remember not being interested in cars. I was that little kid calling out the names of cars as they drove by. Right. Um, It just... No question, that was going to continue. I remember my mother telling me, "Okay, I know you like cars, but got to study and got a good job and earn money, and then you can have fun with cars."
0: <laughs> you figured out another way to do it.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't do it the way um, some people did. Right? There were people I met that doing this book and and knew ahead of time. Just did it. I, I mean, seventeen-year-old kids going to work in racing. Yeah, I guess I didn't have the wasn't big enough risk taker to do that. But,
0: but you found a way to get on the track.
1: Yes, I. Uh, I found a picture of me and my buddy Chuck Watson, thirty-one Ford coupe, and um, that reminded me that was the first car. I ever worked on with my brother.
0: Is that the picture The picture you sent me, the green Ford? Yes. Yeah, Ford. that's an awesome picture. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, let my listeners know. I put a picture of that up on Roger's show notes page. You'll see him back in his youth with his buddy with
1: that old car. Uh, that was kind
0: of the one that kicked it off for you? Yeah,
1: that taught me that, hey, it's fun to work on cars. Right. I mean, this was major work. I mean, I'd done oil changes, and uh, my brother and I waxed the paint off of my mother's 50 Chevy 210 Handyman. Oh. <laughs> so, but that car just gave us the confidence to do more.
0: It, it's cool. I mean, it's it's kind of the, eight goes, goes back to the old hot rod builds, and it's got red wheels, and. Looks like it has some red turn signals or something back by the cowling there.
1: Yeah, those those were the, I guess that was a deluxe, because they, they put those lights there.
0: In that picture, Roger, is that you with your foot on the running board, the taller young guy?
1: That's Chuck Watson. I'm the little kid standing next standing to him. I think next
0: to him, yeah.
1: I'm 16 or 17 It's a great picture.
0: I love it. Well, I want to be a little bit of a psychologist for you today, Roger, and get into your head a little bit here. If you woke up tomorrow and you were manifest as a vehicle, now this isn't what you want to be. This is how you perceive your personality traits into some kind of a vehicle. What would Roger Miners be? And more importantly, why?
1: Well, um, if I I would have a... um I would have a car with uh, big horsepower, agile, uh, handsome, be an intelligent car like a Tesla. That's my first thought, but I'm not all that. Okay. I'm quiet and unassuming. I'm deliberate, and here's why. I think um, since I I am that way, unassuming and deliberate, maybe I like. Really fast, loud, noisy cars that bring, some kind of...
0: Bring forth your alter ego?
1: And I, I, I like sleepers. Okay. I like cars that don't look fast. They've been modified mechanically. When I was, uh, when I was in college, my roommate got a white 65 Chevelle, white walls, white interior, automatic transmission, And I uh, infected him with the uh, need to go faster. (laughs) And again, my brother George, he was ever-present in my life. We talked him into putting a hotter engine in it. Mm. And coincidentally, somebody blew up his Chevrolet engine and needed another one, and we sold it to him. My roommate agreed to all this and went on vacation He sold the engine, pulled it out, and when he came back from Thanksgiving vacation, his car was up on blocks with the hood off and no engine in it. (laughs) Shocked. So, he built a new engine that was all Corvette specifications, except it was a 350 just come out. And that was a really fast car, and it looked slow. We put 283 identification all over it. Painted the engine Chevy orange and had a black undane air cleaner that said 283 on it. Cool. And we'd go out and street race it. Surprised a lot of people. I'll bet.
0: So I would say I'd place you as a manifest as a vehicle as probably kind of a resto mod, but done on a body and chassis that's kind of a, like you said, a sleeper, a car you wouldn't think would be fast, but under the hood, there's something uh, pretty special. How's that sound? good. All right. There you go. (laughs) Well, we are entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off some questions for you uh, so you can blip that hidden secret under the hood, that McLaren engine, as we get through these kind of some lightning round questions. And the first one is, would you share with me one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your success in life over the
1: years? Well, I think uh, I'm persistent and that goes along with being, uh, with working long just keep going. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that individual be?
1: Well, that's an easy one. Having written the book, I wish I could sit down with Bruce McLaren, long gone when I got to McLaren Engines. Did see him in person down in Texas at a k and race, close enough to talk to him.
0: Yeah, that would be pretty special for a lot of people. Now, how about when it comes to automotive advice someone else has offered to you? What would the best advice be?
1: When I was working at Motorola, I met a guy named Jim Riff who was restoring Ferraris and got to be friends just because we were rabid car freaks. Also, a guy named Miles Kitchen was there. Griff came to me and he said, there's a Ferrari for sale you should buy. I can't afford a Ferrari. He convinced me I could afford a Ferrari and encouraged me to buy it. It was only $11,000. And it was a Ferrari Spider California short wheelbase. Oh. And I bought it. It was a mess. But I think that advice, that encouragement to... Do something that I thought would never happen. That was impossible. Mm-hmm. It taught me everything's possible.
0: How long did you have that car for?
1: I only had it for one year. And uh, I started the restoration, but then I was being transferred to Detroit, and I just didn't know whether I could keep a car like that and, and take on my new job and have time to do it. So I sold it for 22000 well, there you go. you <laughs> year later. Yeah. I thought, my God, am I am I smart? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then I got to Detroit, where I was representing Motorola to the Ford Motor Company, and I realized I probably shouldn't have sold it, so I bought another Ferrari. What was that? 275 GTBC. A, it was a race car. Oh, my gosh. Wow.
0: <laughs> well, he got you on your way. There you go.
1: I saw that car, by the way, last year.
0: You did well. Well, you you hung on to that one. Good for you.
1: The uh, the California Spider went to Germany. Ah, and I received a phone call from a German asking me if I was the Roger Miners that once owned a California Spider. And when I said yes, he went crazy. He said he'd been looking for me fifteen. Years. Oh my gosh. Wow. Long story short, I got he invited me over to see the car and I went. I went to Germany.
0: Nice. Do you get to drive it?
1: Actually, as crazy as it sounds, I didn't want to. I was jet lagged, just gotten off the plane in Frankfurt and uh I did not want to crash my old car. No.
0: <laughs> no, not where the value set at the, that time. Wow. Very cool story. Well, how about resources? Roger, is there a resource, a go-to that you'd like to share with us? Some place that you tend to find yourself quite often?
1: You know, this is this is interesting when, when you bring that up. It has something to do with cars. It's a website called Sharpie, Shorpy. S-H-O-R-P-Y. Shorpy publishes 100-year-old photographs. Find uh, am Photographs of cars there, but I also find all kinds of old photos of buildings and uh, scenery, and uh, I get pictures every day from Sharpie. I'd I'd recommend people go to that website as it's interesting history.
0: I was going to say, no one's ever mentioned that before, so I'll make sure I put a link to that website, shorty.com on Roger's show notes page. Now, I always ask my guests about a book. Of course, we want to make sure we steer people towards McLaren, the engine company. Where can people get their a copy of this book? Where, where do they find it?
1: Uh, you go on the uh, SAE International website, which is SAE.com. Then you navigate to their publications. You'll find that right at the top. Click on publications and then click on books. It'll bring up all the books they have. And my book is on the second page. And you can uh, you can get a good look at the table of contents there.
0: I was going to say, I love the, uh, the cover, too. It has those magnificent stacks coming off of the famous McLaren Can-Am engines. Trumpets that just look like uh, they're screaming to the heavens. So, uh, yeah, McLaren, the engine company. I'll make sure I put a link to that on Roger's show notes page so you can get your hands on a copy of that. Uh, you, You should add this to your library for sure. All right, Roger, we're almost to the end of our race here, but this last question can be a bit of a doozy, but it can be a fun thought. If I bought you a very cool collector car, anything in the world could be a vintage race car, street car, no matter, some kind of fun car to put in your garage that ticks all the boxes to go out and have fun on the weekends, not a daily driver. We want this to be kind of fun, but I want you to drive it and enjoy it. What would be the car that I would buy for you, Roger?
1: Well, the ultimate car is the Ferrari GTO. Sure. Is that what you want? Who wouldn't want that? (laughs) Yeah. I would absolutely want a Ferrari GTO. All right.
0: I kind of figured it'd be something like that. Is there a specific one? Because there's only what, 22, 24 of them out there these days? Uh, the Series 1. Series 1. Okay.
1: All right. I don't like the Series 2. I mean, it's it's okay. I'll take a Series 2. <laughs> you won't be picky. <laughs> right. If that's
0: all I can get you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I've never had the pleasure of driving one. Have you
1: driven one? I drove both. Both. Both uh, in Series 2. Oh, wow. But uh, the Series 2, I drove around Road America but not at speed. Mm -hmm. The Series 1 belonged to a friend of mine who was one of the founders of the Ferrari Club of America. But he let me drive it around the block.
0: Cool, cool. Well,
1: Not really driving, but...
0: Well, you still got to get behind the wheel. Uh, I've not been able to do that. I've been able to ride in one. But uh, yeah, the closest I've gotten is a 250 short wheelbase that a friend let me drive. Uh, which was pretty special because I love those cars too. Roger, you've taken me on a fun ride today. This has been great, and I want to thank you for sharing your life and this new book with us today. Before I let you go, is there a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance you might offer our listeners before you drive off down the racetrack in that Series 1 Ferrari GTO?
1: Never give up. <laughs> the what, racer's creed. What a car, you'll get it. Just be persistent. There you go.
0: Is there a best way to keep up with you these days? Is it through your book or are there other ways? Are you active out there on social media?
1: Or I have a Facebook page. Okay. Roger Miners. You can search for it. Absolutely.
0: Well, we'll make sure I put a link to your Facebook page so people can find you. Go there and you can uh, see some of the fun things that Roger puts out there. Roger, thanks for spending some time with me today. This has been delightful. I want to thank you and thank you for bringing this book and this magnificent history of McLaren engines to our listeners today. This is a book you want to put on your library shelf. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. It's my pleasure. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read. Whether you dream of owning a collector car, maybe you have two, or maybe you've got 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Here's a couple of deals I have for you just for listening here on Cars Yeah. If you use the checkout code Cars Yeah, you'll receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription at Sports Car Market. That's an exclusive offer from Cars Yeah. And guess what? Here's another deal. If you'd like to get the actual magazine, use the code BSH for buy, sell, hold. That's code BSH. And you'll get $10 off your annual print subscription. That's right ten dollars off both of these are exclusive offers here at cars yeah for sports car market magazine just go to sportscarmarket.com and get your deals today if you're listening to cars yeah you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride but how confident are you working on your finances you may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know. Everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars, yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at mark.carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at carsyeah.com Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to carsyeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun.